Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. Hey, this is Trip Lanier, host of the New Man Podcast. What you're about to hear is the audio taken from a video that I've created. And it may make a lot more sense if you can actually see the visuals that go along with what you're hearing. You can watch all of the videos by visiting the New Man Podcast. All right, here we go. Uh, today, what are we talking about? We're talking about, um, you ever set a goal and uh, like, man, I'm going to get here. And then you get about, you, get, you start making a little progress. You're like, you know what? I'm good. I can just kind of kick it back from here. Or maybe you're the type of person that sets, sets a lot of goals. And before you've even completed the goal, you've already set the next one because by God, you just got to keep going and it's never enough, never enough, never enough. Um, we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about motivation. Um, you're going to learn the differences. There's two types of motivation when it comes to fear, what I call just enough disease and then never enough disease. Then we're going to do, we're going to talk about some practical tips for dealing with both of them. They're both rooted in a prey mentality. We'll talk about that. And then we're going to talk about how we can go beyond that, how we can tap into a sense of self-leadership. Uh, we're going to talk about turning pro, how to do what matters and experience more flow, more ease and more meaning. So in case you don't know who I am, I'm Trip Lanier. I'm a professional coach. I'm also host of the New Man podcast, which has been downloaded millions of times. I'm the author of This Book Will Make You Dangerous. And uh, for whatever we're about to talk about, keep what works for you and throw out the rest. So let's dive in. <sighs> Slow down for a second. Let's talk about prey mentality, a prey mentality. When we're in prey mentality, we are dependent upon a crisis. We're dependent upon threats to get us going, to get us motivated. Think about an animal grazing out there in the field. And uh, the only thing that really gets him going is something that's going to come and chase his ass down and eat him. Um, what does that look like in our life when we're in a prey mentality? We're motivated by anything that is a threat to our sense of comfort our sense of certainty and uh, our image. We always want to look good, right? So we get threatened if something is going to threaten how we looked or appear to ourselves or others. So what happens when we're in this prey mentality? Once we avert that crisis, we get beyond that threat, then it's kind of like, well, I'm good. I can kind of go back to the baseline. I can go back to what I'm familiar, what's familiar to me. And I can kind of go back into that sleepwalking, that autopilot mode. When we have goals, 
let's say we get a specific goal where we want to make more money. We want to get in shape. We want to get our relationship on the right track again. Um, we can get going. And as soon as we get out of the, out of this crisis mode, we get out of that immediate discomfort, this real sense of tension. Then it's like, Oh, well I'm good. I, I, I don't know what the big problem was. And, and, that's different for everybody. A lot of us are familiar with a certain level of tension and a certain level of bullshit. And we can tolerate a lot of that. Um, but whatever that, that level is for you, you get back to that, that point that's familiar. And then it's like, Oh, I can coast again. Um, why we don't push beyond that is because if we want to continue to grow and we want to get out of that zone, then we encounter another form of discomfort. We encounter another form of risk or uncertainty. We encounter another threat to our sense of identity. Who am I if I'm going to go beyond this? So this is why I call this just enough disease. We do just enough to get out of there and then we coast, we stop. Uh, the commitment here, we have a very, very clear commitment to our sense of comfort and safety. Keep that in mind as we go forward. The cost of this is that we only go so far. We've got one foot on the brake. We got one foot on the gas and we're just getting by. We're on this flat or stagnant tra trajectory. We're not really happy. We're not thriving. We're certainly not thriving. And this can be exhausting. Uh, it kills our confidence. It kills our self-trust because deep down, we know that we're full of shit. Deep down, we know that we really can't depend on ourselves. We say we want to do ABC, but we only get a third of the way there and then we coast. And that, that really eats away at our peace of mind. This is an amateur mindset. Okay, we'll talk about going pro in a minute. Let's talk about this other mindset. Uh, instead of the prey mentality, we've got this, uh, what I call the neurotic Labrador retriever, this ball chaser. Um, from the outside, this guy is probably wealthy. He's probably really successful. He's highly ambitious, highly driven. Um, he's a high achiever. Uh, inside, and I get to talk to a lot of these guys, inside is exhaustion. There's drain. There's this addiction to fear. It's like constantly running near the red line that that becomes the norm. And I got to be clear. I want to I don't want to be bullshit full of shit. I do both of these. I, I'm not immune for to any of this stuff. I think all of us have both of these in them. So anyway, back to the ball chaser chasing the ball, this neurotic Labrador. This is what I call never enough disease instead of just enough disease. It's never enough disease. Um, we're always always moving, always progressing, always charging. But the, the felt sense is that we're never really getting anywhere. We're kind of still stuck on this trajectory. The, the, the circumstances around us may be different, but we still have a very clear sense that I've got to keep going. I'm not quite there yet. Um, there's a trap. We can do a lot of the right things for the wrong reasons. And in this situation for, for our, our ball chasing Labrador, he can never really outrun this fear. He can never really outrun his monster. There's for him. The fear is he's going to go backwards. He's going to go backwards in terms of status. He's going to go backwards in terms of, uh, I'm going to say it's a perceived sense of safety because a lot of times these guys can make a lot of money, but for them to go backwards in terms of their salary, even if it's really sky high can feel very threatening to them. Um, and then underneath that is this fear of being a loser, right? So you've got to always be going up because if you go backwards or you stagnate, then that is the sense that you are a loser. And a lot of times that is really the true fear that, that these guys are up against. So the commitment here is to status and prestige. It's about, I am a winner. I'm enough. I'm good enough. And I'm gosh darn it. I'm going to prove it to you. These guys are highly self-critical. 
They've got a, a, a very, very sharp inner critic. And so they always are able to point out that no matter how much they do, it's never enough. It's never good enough. And they can always find more threats where the, the there's other ways where something could be taken away from them or somebody can be better than them, uh, that kind of stuff. So they never get a sense that it's ever enough. The cost of all this is that you live in this type of lifestyle. You can have it all, but never really enjoy it. You're always on the run. You're always jumping through hoops. Uh, you never feel safe. A lot of these guys, myself included, had some kind of a trauma in their early years. And so their nervous system is all out of whack and they're not aware that their nervous system is distorting how they experience life and therefore distorting how they see opportunities in front of them. Um, when they're scanning for future threats or they're scanning for possible ways that they can be challenged, um, they're never in really present. They're never really able to enjoy what's happening right here, right now. And it keeps them stuck in pissing matches, keeps them stuck in this perpetual hamster wheel of being busy uh, and they rarely give themselves permission to do what they love. They, 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 they can't, it's like one day I'm going to get there. I'm going to do what I love one day. I'm going to be able to do what truly matters and which what's, what's truly meaningful for them. So life passes them by. And again, we don't have any peace of mind when we're in this type of mindset. So I see, I see a lot of these guys, I see them in myself. Um, both of these types, the just enough disease and the never enough disease, making lots of excuses and both of them to a certain degree are, are playing the victim, right? They're powerless to this programming and this, this game that's happening between their ears. Let's talk about another possibility. Let me take a little shot here. Let's talk about another possibility. Let's get out of this survival mentality. What if, what if we could get out of this survival mentality? What if we could create from something deeper than fear. What if we could begin to recognize our mortality? Let's, and, and the reason why I bring this up and I talk about this in the book is when we, when we don't have a sense of our own mortality, we dick around. We believe we've got this magical time that's going to come where we finally have permission. Our shit's going to be together. You know, all the things are going to line up and we can finally do what we ultimately want to do. When we're in this prey mentality, when we're in this just enough disease we want to ask ourselves, what do I want more in life than just to avoid something that's a threat to my sense of comfort or safety? What am I waiting to create or experience? If I'm in never enough disease, we want to, we want to challenge those, the fears. We want to challenge the beliefs. We want to challenge this idea that we always have to be progressing. Am I really in danger if I'm not always progressing? Am I really in danger? What if I had nothing to prove? What if there was no one to impress what am I waiting to create or experience in this lifetime? When I start to strip away the fear-based stuff, then what is it that I'm really here to do? What this does is it starts to open the door beyond comparisons, beyond scanning for threats, and we start to look beyond our fears and we start to tap into something much deeper. We start to tap into our sense of self-leadership. We start to tap into our sense of sovereignty. We tap into something that is bigger than us that's wanting to be lived as us. From this place, we can start to experience flow in what we do. Our work can become enlivening instead of draining. Let's talk about how we can start to do this. If we're in just enough disease, we want to ditch this hobby mentality. We want to ditch this amateur mentality, and we want to turn pro. Stephen Pressfield's famous for, for that coining that term. He wrote a book called The War of Art. He wrote Turning Pro. He wrote Do the Work. Check out my interviews with him. What does that actually mean? When we're turning pro, 
we want to recognize our, com- our commitment to comfort. We want to recognize our commitment to avoiding risk. But ultimately, we want to identify the goal that we've got. We want to get very specific. We want to clarify what that thing is. And instead of fixating on that outcome, we want to shift our awareness to the behavior to the, or the set of behaviors that would make that outcome inevitable. The key point here is what are the necessary behaviors, the essential behaviors that would make that inevitable? What would ensure that success? Another way to shift our mindset here is what would I do if I was being paid a shit ton of money to make this goal a reality? And a lot of times we can see it's like, oh, well, I'd, I'd hire somebody, I'd get help, I'd get out of my own way, I'd put this thing first in my day, I'd ask for you know input from this person, I would outsource this thing. You start to see where you get out of your own, you, you, you no longer become a bottleneck to yourself. So I'll give you an example. I had a client who was building a business, he'd been going along for a couple of years, and he was in this feast and famine cycle, up, down, up, down. He'd get into a place where he you know, was, was stuck and there wasn't a lot of money. He'd hump it and really get going, bring in some money and feel that sense of relief from that danger, right? Like the, the, the hunter, the, he's not no longer being hunted, feels that sense of relief and like, ah, I can put my feet up now. And then what happens? Things start to go back down again. So the first thing we did was identify the ideal lifestyle that he wanted. We, what was his business in service of, right? So he knew he wanted to make X amount of money so he could have a certain house, have the family be this, have, have everything set up a certain way. There was a number for that. That was pretty easy to figure out. And then we looked at his business through the lens of what would make that outcome inevitable? What are the behaviors? What are the choices? What are the systems that we could implement that would make that inevitable? And then we made a clear agreement that he was going to do X, Y, Z every week, no matter what, whether he was in the mood for it or not. Those were the things he, we were very clear about the, the behaviors that were the most high leverage behaviors and that he was going to do those every single week, no matter what. His fear, he could feel that contraction. Oh no, this is going to be uncomfortable. He was afraid he was going to be drained. He was afraid he was going to be stuck in his work and trapped. He was afraid he was going to lose money by investing in outsourcing help. He was, had all these kinds of fears that were, that were, that were the main reason why he, he was stuck on that flat trajectory. What was more true is that he found more ease. When he put both feet in, he suddenly felt this grounded confidence. I'm doing this. This is going to happen. I'm making it a reality. Fear had him overestimate the amount of work and the, the amount of discomfort it was going to take to actually do this stuff. In truth, it didn't need to be backbreaking. It just needed consistency. And what we also found was that he started to enjoy it and enjoyed a lot more once he started making progress. As we made progress, we gathered data. We started to ask better questions like, how can we make this more fun? How can we make this more energizing? And we were able to course correct and do what was more and align these things with what actually worked, but was what was also more enlivening for him and enjoyable for him. So it wasn't a drag and it wasn't a drain. That's one example. Let's shift gears. Let's talk about never enough disease. What can we do there to tap into this larger sense of ourselves? First off, we've got to challenge this belief that we always need to be going full speed. We've got to challenge this belief that we always need to be doing, you know, we always have to be important. We always have to be impressive. Then we can start to identify the specific choices within our day. We do an audit, right? We start to look at our day-to-day life and we start to identify the choices that are draining us. And then we say, well, if X, if I'm doing X and it's draining me, then why am I choosing to do this? What if I didn't always have to do X? 
And from that place, we could create an experiment. So here's an example. I had a client, really successful, really driven guy. He was that type of guy that before he'd even achieved the goal, he was already setting the next one. He was already looking at the, at the next place he wanted to go. Inside, though, his mindset, his, his experience of life was very frantic. It was very urgent. Um, he had so much to do. He always felt behind. And this meant that he wasn't present for his family. He wasn't present for his life. So we boiled it down. We identified what was truly important for him. Because when we don't know what's important, then everything seems important. Everything's flat. Everything has to be done. So we did the audit. We laid out all of his daily behaviors. We laid all of those choices out and we started to go through them. Why was he choosing this? Why was he choosing that? And we started to see that there was a pattern on one hand. He was covering his ass. He was kissing ass. And he was proving he wasn't an ass. There was so much of this fear-based stuff, so much of this defensive stuff that was going on. So we said, well, what if that wasn't true? What if we didn't always need to be protecting and pleasing and proving? We boiled down to what was essential. What was really essential for him to have that sense of meaning, that deep sense of satisfaction. And we could start to see that those were the most important things. Those were the things that started to rise above the rest. And I said, you know what? We're only going to do those essential things for the next month. We're going to confront this fear that the world's going to fall apart if you don't do all of this other stuff. Let's see what happens. Because after all, if you don't like it, if the world goes tits up, then we can always come back and you can go back to your crazy way of doing things. Lo and behold, things got a lot better for him. He started to recognize that he didn't need to engage all of this stuff and drive himself crazy in the process. Let's be really clear. This way of doing things is not going to be easy. It's going to feel dangerous. It's going to challenge whatever commitments we have to comfort, to certainty, to status, prestige, etc. This is why I hire a coach. This is why others hire a coach is because we want that challenge. We want that support. We want that accountability. A typical performance coach is going to be all about the numbers, is going to be all about the results, and they don't really give a shit why you do what you do. Uh, they're just going to help you be more uh, productive, let's just say. A great coach, though, is going to challenge you. It's going to, he's going to challenge you. She's going to challenge you. Why are you doing this? Why are you choosing X, Y, Z? And in, in a great coach is going to ensure that you're, you're creating from this deeper sense of self instead of this fear, instead of this need to protect and please improve all the time. The benefits of doing this is that we've, we start to find our peace of mind. We find that we, are, we, we align ourselves with what truly matters. We're no longer waiting for that magical time in the future. We begin to trust ourselves more. We are in integrity. Uh, we do what we say we're going to do. We see progress and we experience flow in that progress. We work, we're working towards what really matters and we're enjoying it along the way. It's not a rat racer mentality. We shift our mindset. We enjoy what we do versus only doing things in order to avoid danger. And we relax this need to keep score or always be seeking completion for something. And we find that we can, when we do this, we do this because it's who we genuinely are. It allows us to find flow. It allows us to find fun. Uh, it work feels more effortless. And this is because I believe that we're tapping into something that's much bigger than ourselves. We're tapping into something that's much bigger than our fears and this need to protect and please improve. I hope this has been helpful for you. Check out the free resources that I have at thenewmanpodcast.com. You can find this book will make you dangerous at dangerousbookstore.com. If you want to learn more about coaching with me, you can visit triplinear.com. Here's to greater freedom, aliveness, love, and peace. Thank you so much for watching.
If you want to take full advantage of all that the new man has to offer, be sure to visit the newmanpodcast.com and grab the solutions I've created to help you play a bigger game, align your profession with what really matters, and keep your relationships out of the ditch. It's all available at the newmanpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.